We are in Emotional Intelligence Week 5. Hasn't it been flying by? Man, Week 5. Christians should be world leaders in a variety of areas. Amen? We should be world leaders in the ability to love. We should be able to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, the ones we get along with, and the, or the ones we agree with, and the ones we disagree with. We should be able to love our neighbors. We should be able to love even our enemies. And then, of course, we should be able to love the living God. If we don't love God, if all God is to us is a theological idea where we sort of hope that after this life is over we get to go somewhere better, if that's all we've got, we don't really love God, we just have a theological idea. We're missing what it means to be a follower of Christ. We need to love. We should be world leaders in the ability to love. We should be world leaders in the ability to forgive others. Amen? We should be able to do that in the most difficult of circumstances because we have God's help. Amen? We're not on our own. We have the Lord helping us. We should be able to forgive in, in a way that the rest of the world looks at us and says, wow, how do you do that? We should be world leaders in humility and the willingness to serve others. And we should be world leaders in emotional health. We should be world leaders in emotional strength. We should be world leaders in emotional intelligence. And our verse that we've been going off of is Philippians 2.5, which says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude should be the same. What do you think the same means? It means the same. It means it should be the same. Jesus' attitude, our attitude, the same attitude. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Is this an unrealistic, horrifying, heavy burden that, that we should feel crushed under? Or is this a potential huge blessing in the Lord. What if your attitude was the same as that of Christ Jesus? How much anxiety would you have? How much fear would you have? How much wrangling over somebody else's mistakes would you have to go through in the middle of the night? I can't believe they did. How much sleep would you lose if your attitude was the same as that of Christ Jesus? What a blessing it would be to have our attitudes be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Let's grab hold of this. Now, I believe this takes a miracle from God, but I believe we can believe for that miracle because it's part of what we've been promised. And so the inner battle for our emotions is a battle we have as believers a right to win. We have a right to win this battle. Just like you have a right to have your sins forgiven. Did you know that's a right? It's not a right because you have somehow earned that. It's been given to you. It's been imparted to you by the Lord. But now you have a right. All you have to do is ask for your sins to be forgiven. They're forgiven. I believe you also have a right to win the inner battle for your emotions. We can receive the Holy Spirit into us. We have the mind of Christ. And that changes our heart. We can receive that miracle. It's a process. If you want to hear more about that, listen to the first two sermons. Uh, they're on the internet, goodhope.ag. So we've been defining emotional intelligence by Daniel Gorman's five elements of emotional intelligence. Number one, self-awareness. you got to know what's going on in here. If you don't know what's going on in here, you're kind of in trouble. 
Um, we got to take a look and see. Then self-regulation. How many people have ever not wanted to go to school or not wanted to go to work? Yeah, okay. What did you do? I hope you self-regulated and you said, nope, I'm shaking that off and I'm going to work. If you don't go to work, what happens? You get fired. That's bad. That's not helpful. If you don't go to school, it doesn't help. You've got to battle through those things and self-regulate. Then we've got internal motivation, and that is seeing life as worth living and doing things because they're worth doing rather than being forced into doing stuff. That's internal motivation. And then empathy is the ability to understand what's going on inside the hearts of other people. And then social skills, being able to network and be able to work with a variety of people, have influence, and, uh, and you know, that sort of thing. Social skills. So those are the five elements of emotional intelligence from Daniel, Daniel Gorman. And last week we talked about casting your cares on the Lord. Wouldn't it be great to be proficient at that? To be able to cast your anxieties upon the Lord and be free from it. Wouldn't that be great? Man, we watched as Jesus cast His cares upon His heavenly Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. How long did that take Him? Was it just instantaneous? He's Jesus, so boop, done, cares are cast. No, it took Him maybe a couple hours. The process he went through to pray and to check in with his disciples and hope for some encouragement, which he didn't get, and then pray some more and that sort of stuff. And he finally got to the place where he had cast his cares on his father and he was able to go to the cross in confidence and strength. But it took him some time. If it took Jesus some time, might it take us some time to cast our cares upon the Lord? Don't think it's just magically going to happen and you won't have to fight through it. You'll have to fight through it. We learned that Jesus imparts peace on His disciples. He does that. We covered common mistakes that prevent us from receiving the peace of God. For example, if you haven't fully submitted yourself to God and you try to receive the peace of God while you're walking in disobedience from God and you're going a different direction, you can't have His peace for your life because you're not in His will. You're doing something else. How can you receive the peace of God if you haven't fully submitted to God? So we talked about a few of those things. And then we finished it up by looking at God's grand plan. You know God has a plan. It started at the beginning of time and it ends with us receiving eternal life. Isn't that a great plan? I'm real happy with it. I think it's a wonderful plan. Uh, I didn't grow up believing in God, so I thought I was worm food when this whole thing was done. Now I find out we can actually have eternal life. That's amazing. You know, praise God. I'll, I'll, I'll drive on a bumpy road on the way to eternal life. Amen? I'll have peace in the midst of a difficult transition into that because I know where I'm going. Hallelujah. This, this ride isn't that bad. We live in America. It's, it's, oh, let's not get too discouraged. We can have peace when we see the big picture. This week, let's talk about speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15, let's see what that has to say. Ephesians 4.15 says, instead, so we're going to be looking at what is happening before this in a little bit. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. Instead of whatever they were doing in verse 14, 
Instead of that, let's speak the truth in love. Are there other ways to speak the truth other than in love? How about speaking the truth in anger to hurt someone? Your intention is to do damage. It's true what you're saying. But you're meaning for it to be a dart into their heart. Speaking the truth in anger to hurt someone. It's still true. Does that mean you can say it? No. You have to say the truth. You don't get to lie now. Say the truth, but say it with the right emotion. Say it with the right heart. Speak the truth, not in anger. Speak the truth in love. We can also speak the truth in pride. To puff ourselves up. Look what I've done. Anything you can do, I can do better. Speaking the truth in pride to puff ourselves up. Might be true, but it's not with the right heart. Speaking the truth in disgust. Have you ever just been disgusted with a situation or a particular person so you just let it all out and you just run them down? That's not the truth in love. That's the truth in disgust. We don't want that. How about the truth in flattery? To manipulate people. Boy, you're a good-looking bunch of people today. You're so smart and awesome. You're top-notch people and we're going to have another offering. Uh, you know... <laughs> It's all true, but if it's in flattery to manipulate, that's not the truth in love. That's speaking the truth, but in the wrong way. You can speak the truth in oblivion. Have you, in oblivion. That's nice, isn't it? Have you ever had like little kids? Like they first learned to talk, and then you're standing in line at Walmart, and they start making comments about other people at Walmart? Have you ever, have you ever been in that situation? And you're like, shh. They're speaking the truth, but it's in oblivion. They don't realize that the lady in front of you doesn't want to hear the little person's comments. You know what I mean? Like, don't say that. The truth in oblivion. We don't want to speak that. We want to be aware that when we speak, and if we're speaking the truth, it's going to connect. Be wise in understanding that what we say is important. Speak the truth in hypocrisy. You know, one, of, one of the rough things about hypocrites is they can be telling the truth. You know? Ugh. I had a hypocrite one time tell me something I should be doing different. And I was like, you're right. Oh, wow. I'm going to work on that. <laughs> I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to work on that. And it was difficult because of the messenger. You know, and, and it's like, oh, man. The truth in hypocrisy. All right. Of course, in Ephesians, Paul is talking about speaking the truth in love in the church. So we, is that still up there? It is. So who will grow into Christ? We. This is a corporate thing. This is an us thing. This is... So the body of Christ, so the group, will grow up into the head that is Christ. So Paul is talking to the church, but can we apply this to parenting? Speaking the truth in love. Sometimes you speak the truth to your kids in something other than love. Speak the truth in love. How about at work? Speak the truth in love. 
How are you how are you talking about the management? Are you speaking the truth in love or are you speaking the truth with a different emotion? Everywhere we go, at school, at work, at home, we need to speak the truth in love. All right. So what was he talking about in Ephesians 14, 5, I'm sorry, 4, 14, the verse before this? We'll see what he's wanting us to speak the truth in love instead of. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So he's saying there's cunning and craftiness of men that are deceitfully scheming and we don't want that. Instead, we want the truth in love so that we can grow up into the head which is Christ. So, verse 14 is an example of speaking the truth, presumably the truth. They may have lied as well. I'm not, you know, it doesn't go into that much detail. But he says speaking the truth in love, so presumably they were speaking the truth in divisiveness. Can you speak the truth in divisiveness? In a cunning and crafty way to get people to follow you because the people were being blown here and there by every wind of teaching. This is the cool place to be. So everybody went there and then that wasn't so cool anymore. So here was the neat new idea. So they went over there and they're just flopping around. Is that, does that seem like it might be happening today as well? They were speaking presumably the truth again. They were speaking in divisiveness. An example of this would be to point out the faults of another church in order to get people to come to your church. Might be true. Why are you doing it? To help that other church? To build up the body of believers? Or to divide that person from their group so that they'll come with your group? Is that what we're supposed to do? No, we don't want to speak the truth in divisiveness. Wouldn't it have been great if we could have, if Christians could have avoided this for the last 2,000 years? And learn the lesson of Ephesians chapter 4? And not been divisive and tried to draw off disciples for ourselves, but rather focused on making disciples of Christ? Man, that'd be awesome. You wanna, you wanna tip over a sacred cow this morning? You know, Christians haven't avoided speaking the truth in divisiveness, and we've been playing the fool for it the whole time. I'm going to tell you something. Denominational lines. You've heard about denominational lines, right? You've got this group and this group and this group. Denominational lines are an illusion. They only exist in your head. They are not real. You remember when Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. How many vines? How many branches? Lots of branches. How many plants? One. One vine, many branches. There is how many bodies of Christ? One. The denominational lines, the divisions, the divisiveness that we have imposed on the body of Christ, it's an illusion. It's not real. There's not going to be a good hope church in heaven. Amen? Well, that'd be awesome. 
I mean, maybe we'll get to get together and have a little picnic or something, but it's not like there's going to be an us and them situation in heaven. It's just us. Denominational lines are an illusion. We need to embrace the reality that there's one body and we need to grow together into that one body. So, Paul is actually stressing that in Ephesians chapter 4, that there is one body. Let's read the whole thing in context, starting in verse 11. We're going to get through to 16, and that will show us kind of how this all fits together. It was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Until who reaches, reaches unity? All. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. So we'll all reach unity instead of flopping around following the various teachers saying the, the coolest, hippest, most recent thing. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Held together by every supporting ligament, one body, all working together. That's how we, in maturity, grow into the fullness of Christ. All right, so we want to speak the truth in love, to build one another up, to strengthen the body of Christ, to come together rather than speaking the truth in divisiveness to separate. Have you ever tried to speak the truth to somebody and it didn't go so good? Have you ever tried to speak the truth in love and you cared about them and you approached them and you spoke the truth in love and it just didn't go so good? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 9. Verses 7 through 9, we're going to look at a very interesting little section of Scripture here. Look at what this says. The first time I read it years ago, I thought, well, look at that. Huh. Have you ever been surprised at what the Bible says? If you're surprised at what the Bible says, just relax, stay there for a while, reread it over and over again, enjoy the process of not knowing what's going on, and realize, hey, we're people, we don't know much but let's take a look and see if we can get down to what this really means. Proverbs 9, 7-9 Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. So it says here, if you're going to speak the truth in love, be smart about who you're going to talk to. Be smart about who you're going to talk to because some people are just going to hate you. Some people are just going to abuse you. You're inviting insult if you correct a mocker. Don't, don't do that, is what this says. Do not rebuke a mocker. Rather, rebuke a wise man. This is similar to Matthew 7, 6, it's always good when we see something that's a little bit interesting because, I mean, if we're not going to correct the wicked, who are we going to correct? You know? 
This means correct the line because how many of us are perfect? Matthew 7, 6, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. I'm glad I live in the United States of America because this is not very literal in the U.S. of A. Other parts on this planet right now, that could be taken literally. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Same thing. If you're going to share the truth in love, be smart about who you're sharing with. Share with somebody who's going to receive it. Don't share with somebody who's just going to attack you for it. Don't be foolish. So, we need to speak the truth, but be smart about who we speak the truth in love to. I only speak into the lives of people that I respect or that I highly value or that are hurting other people uh, in my jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> those people I will speak the truth to even if I don't respect them. Even if they are a mocker, I've got to step in and deal with the situation. But other than that, you've got to earn correction from me. I'm not just going to come up and start telling you what I think you're doing wrong. You've got to earn it. If I ever do that with you, understand it's because I highly value you and I respect you. Or you're hurting people around you <laughs> that I have to deal with you. But I can't imagine anybody in here doing that. So. Praise God for that. But I have had to do that several times. Um, sometimes goes okay. Alright. So here's the progression we've gone through so far this morning. We need to speak the truth in love rather than speaking the truth with other emotions. Speaking the truth in anger. Speaking the truth in disgust. Speaking the truth to manipulate. We need to speak the truth in love to build others up. Then we need to be smart about who we speak the truth to, because if you're just throwing out your pearls to pigs, it's not going to do them any good, it's not going to do you any good, so be smart about that. Now, step three will change your life. This is like, pay attention now moment. Don't be a mocker. Be the wise man who can learn when someone speaks the truth to you. Don't be the scoffer. In that Proverbs 9, it says, you know, do not rebuke a mocker. Mocker, in, in other translations, that's the NIV. Other translations is translated scoffer or scorner or conceited man. Don't be that. Because then you're done. You can't learn. You can't grow. You're stuck because you will not hear the truth. But don't we have that little scoffer inside of us? Have you ever been corrected and not liked it? Have you ever had somebody tell you you weren't doing something right and it was difficult to hear? Oh man, I'm going to share a couple of experiences from my life where the inner scoffer came out. Um, the first one, I was canoeing in the Boundary Waters, or so I thought. And uh, we'd been canoeing for a long time, and our navigator was in another canoe, and we ended up, we didn't know where we were. We'd been paddling all day, and it's getting late. You know what I mean? And we're, man, we're tired. And we see a boat with a motor on it. 
And we think we're not supposed to be where there's boats with motors on them. We must be fairly lost. And my friend in the front of the canoe said, let's go ask that guy where we are so we can figure out how to get where we're going. And I said, no, we're not going to ask him where we are. We can figure this out. We've got a map. It would be embarrassing. I'm not going to go ask that guy. So this went on for a while, and we're doing that thing. And, and he starts paddling. He's in the front. He starts paddling toward the boat. So I start paddling the other way. I'm like, no, we're not going. I mean, like, do not ask for directions. That is like the, oh, that's a new low. But I did not want to have to go and ask that guy what in the world is going on but he was stronger than me so the canoe went forward so then i just started paddling that way and we went and asked and we said um we're going to this particular place and where are we he said well you're in canada and we said oh we're not supposed to be in canada he said he said yeah you're not you need to go that way three miles and take it right and uh you'll get where you're going thank you very much sir so we we battled our way back but I was not in a place where I wanted to hear the truth. I wanted to figure it out on my own. You know, there was somebody who obviously knew the truth right over there in that boat. I didn't want to know the truth. I wanted to solve the problem myself. If my friend wasn't stronger than me, we'd probably still be there, right? You know, I'm glad we were able to hear the truth because he was there. Another time... Way back in the day, I'm driving my Mercury Grand Marquis. Two doors. Thing is 30 feet long. You know, I mean, oh, it was white with blue trim. Two doors. Huge car. You know, this was way back when. And I'm driving on a logging road in uh, the winter out in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to, I had something to do. So I was sort of in a hurry which was my tendency back then anyway. Even if I wasn't in a hurry, I was in a hurry. Good driving, you know. And uh, I was unfamiliar with the road, and it's just a carved-out logging road, I mean, in these hills. And, and I, I came up over this hill and over the top, and it was like a, a valley. You know what I mean? It was going downhill for a long ways, and it was ice with snow on it, and I'm the first car. And so I got my grand marquee, you know, my, my land boat cruising down this hill, I'm like, this is not good because I'm going too fast. I can't slow down, hit the brakes, just sliding on down. And I hit the first curve, and there's several curves before the bottom of this thing. And it's it's like, oh, come on now. And it comes back, come on. And I'm sliding around, and I finally got it squared away. And then there was one more curve, and I'm him trying to get it. No, no. Poof. Over, hit the front end in the ditch. It was a sharp ditch, again, because it's a logging road. Bent the bumper all up. I mean, like the whole thing was like, so I had this crooked smile on the front of my car after that. And I'm like, oh. And some people were following me. And then after that happened, they thought it would be a good time to discuss whether or not I was driving properly. You know, like maybe there was some ways I could have done that better. Uh, I was not in the mood at that moment to hear the truth in love. I was like, you know, like, you know, I was all, have you ever been in that spot where you just don't want to hear it? Like, I know I crashed my car, leave me alone. And, uh, but they persisted in explaining what I could have done better. But, oh well, that's a rough one.
I gotta tell you this. The truth needs to be your friend. Have the strength to just relax, hear the truth, and grow. Otherwise you'll stagnate. Otherwise you're done. Otherwise you're you're not going to get better at being a husband. You're not going to get better at being a wife. You're not going to get better at being an employee. You're not going to get better at playing music. You're not going to get better at being a small group leader. You're not going to get better at anything unless you are willing to embrace the truth and realize the truth is your friend. And be teachable. If you can be teachable, you can grow. Otherwise, you'll stagnate and you're in trouble. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. They're going to be up here. They'll pray with you, whatever your need may be. Whatever situation you might be in. But, it says in my notes, I'm not perfect and neither are you. <laughs> Do you believe that? The way to get better is to be teachable. The way to get better is to be the wise man who is thankful for correction. The wise man, the wise woman who wants to know the truth, who can then make progress and get better rather than in pride pushing away the truth and just living a pretend life. If you want to be a better parent, a better employee, a better boss, a better musician, a better Christian, whatever it may be, then you need to be teachable. You need to be willing to let others speak the truth in love to you. Let people teach you. Now be smart. It's not just being smart about who you're willing to share the truth in love with. It's being smart about who you're willing to receive from. You know, if somebody wants to tell you how to do something that they're not good at, find somebody else. Have them share that with you. So be smart about who you let speak into your life, but be teachable. And then let the Lord teach you too. Don't waste the pain by not learning the lesson. We go through stuff. Don't waste the pain by not learning the lesson. Let the Lord teach you as well. I'm going to close in prayer. Then I'll invite people up to receive personal prayer. Um, otherwise, we'll be dismissed. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, help us in our hearts to have the emotional strength to let the truth be our friend and to be able to have the security in who we are to know that it's only good to get that. It's not good to push away the truth because we're afraid of it. Let us be teachable. Let us receive correction from you. Let us receive correction from others who love us. Help us to grow in that way so that we're not limited by our lack of ability to receive the truth. Lord, let your light shine in our hearts in power. Let it shine so bright that it overflows into our world. Lord, bless us this morning. Bless us as we go. Help us to let your light shine in our world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can come on down for personal prayer. Whatever you need may be, they'll pray with you. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know. Encourage them in the Lord. If you're interested in the Dominican Republic, talk to Tom.